0: Hi Andy, (laughs) come on in and find a place to sit. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to those who are watching online. If you are joining us for the first time, whether online or in person, thanks for doing that. My name is Mark. And um, Anna Claire said she, uh, about a year or so ago, came and was here for the first time. And uh, long ago, I remember coming into a meeting like this for the first time as well. And just want you to know that we're glad that you're here. Um, and uh, my name is Mark. I serve as one of the elders, and I'm on uh, staff here. And I get to bring the message this morning. We are uh, this morning beginning a five-part series called Our Vision. And the idea is uh, for us to have an opportunity to explain why we exist as a church, what we're all about. And the first three messages today and in the next two weeks, will be uh, visiting uh, uh, and, and preaching from the second chapter of the book of Acts and so I want to encourage you to be reading and meditating on that and I also uh, want to just just make a, a connection between those RGCU classes that Anna Claire mentioned a moment ago. The person and work of the Holy Spirit is what uh, makes the church empowered and spirit filled as we're going to hear today and both of the RGcu classes connect with that if you're not sure about the Holy Spirit or wanted to learn more about it this uh, the the person of the spirit the systematic theology class is about the person and work of the Holy Spirit and one of the works that the Holy Spirit does in believers is to promote and create in us Christ-like character and that'll be featured in the other class on character driven leadership about how the how the Holy Spirit works in, in the hearts and lives of people to become more like Christ. So those both begin next Sunday. As you came in, you <coughs> excuse me, may have gotten one of these vision cards. Did you get one of these coming in? Can you show me? Who's got who's got them? Okay. A lot of you do. If you didn't get one coming in, you can get one on your way out. I'm going to mention this uh, in a moment. But this little card has our vision, our mission, and some core values on it. And uh, the series is going to open up that vision statement uh, That that's the first thing on there. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But the... The the next thing we want to do, the most important thing we have to do here this morning is we want to hear God speaking to us through his word. So Acts 2 verses 1 to 13 is the passage this morning, and Gabriela Flores is going to read that for us. So thanks, Gabriela.
1: When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them, and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine.
0: Let's pray. O God, as we gather this assembly, gathering in the name of Christ this morning, I pray on behalf of this gathered people, those online and those present here, O God, would you revive us? Would you greatly empower the normal ministry of the gospel to take on extra power in our lives? Would you let the wind of the Spirit blow this morning through our thoughts, our minds, our dreams, our memories, our emotions, our desires? our guilt, our shame. Would the wind of the Spirit blow through this assembled people this morning? Would you greatly empower us and envision us to be your people? And would you give us a vision for what you intend your church to be? For the glory of Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. So this vision, this, excuse me, this series is about developing a vision for the church, but I want to just begin by asking, is the church really worth spending time thinking about or even participating in? Is it an idea whose time has come and gone? Jim Davis and Michael Graham have authored a a book called The Great Dechurching, and they write that, quote, we are currently living in the largest and fastest religious shift in U.S. history. What's the shift? Here it is. Some 40 million adult Americans who used to go to church at least once per month now attend less than once a year. 40 million used to attend once a month at least, now less than once a year. You can see this in different ways. Got a couple pictures (coughs) for you. Here's a a historic church building in Philadelphia that has now become an apartment place, and you can rent an apartment in this building. Here's another one from Louisiana. <clears throat> Excuse me, historic church building that's now a restaurant with a bar. So the 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 church is in some ways being de-churched, right? Um, and we can add to that how aware we are of tragic stories about. Toxic church culture or immoral church leaders or the shameful handling of sexual abuse in churches And so is it time to just de-church and go home? Well, rather than giving up on the church, one author Author named R.N. Flew argues that what we need is a fresh vision for the church He writes, the conviction is growing That the need of Christian people is a fresh vision for the Church of Christ as God meant it to be. A fresh vision for the Church of Christ as God meant it to be. Now, interestingly, he wrote that in 1938, 85 years ago. So what is God's intention for the church? What is the Church of Christ as God meant it to be? Why are we here? Where does the idea of church come from anyway. You know, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says very simply, I will build my church. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, what is his intention for his church? Just dream with me for a moment. Imagine with me for a moment. What if there could be a community that transcends boundaries of nationality, and language, and ethnicity, boundaries of politics and economics. And what if that community could be entered into by anyone who wanted to belong? What if there could be a community that sticks together through thick and thin where people love each other instead of using each other? Not a perfect community, but a community characterized by compassion and forgiveness and servanthood. What if God personally met with that community, lived in that community, and made that community a taste of the new creation that he's promised to bring about? Well, I would say that's not a dream, that is the church as God meant it to be as revealed in scripture. Now I don't want to overpromise. The church on earth today is nowhere near perfect. It's not what it will be when Christ returns. At the same time, I don't want to underpromise there really is a community like this that Christ has come to establish, a community that's called into existence by God. That's won by Christ that's filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, the church. I love the church. Warts and all. And I know that any church I'm a part of gets extra warts because I'm bringing them. But I love the church. And I hope we, the elders of Redeeming Grace Church, hope that this series will give you a fresh vision, a perhaps new vision of the church as God meant it to be. Let me turn for just a moment to these little cards, if you've got one. Just take a look at that vision statement, because this sort of sets the arc for this series. Our vision is to be a community, not just an individual, not just a group of individuals disconnected, but to be an actual assembly, a community community, that exalts, displays, and declares the gospel of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. This is a community oriented in three directions. Up, exalting God in worship, in, displaying Christ to one another in servanthood and love and Christ-like character, and out, declaring the gospel, this good news, to our city and to the ends of the earth. We do this for the glory of God. And each of these five messages will accent one of those three directions, that exalting, uh, displaying, or or declaring that up, in, and and out uh, aspect of of the church. This morning, it's up. We're talking about the day of Pentecost and how Jesus' disciples become a spirit-filled community of worshipers. They're exalting Christ in a worshipful, upward fashion. So, that's what this series is intended to do. I want to encourage you, just hang on to this card and maybe even bring it into your devotions and just pray through the language, the ideas that are, that are uh, laid out for you here as you, as you pray for the church and these, these messages. So this morning, we're going to unpack Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 13, and we want to begin with this. The first four verses highlight for us how Jesus' disciples are all filled with the Spirit. I want you to encourage you to keep your Bibles open And uh, look back with me at verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Okay, so what's going on here? What is the day of Pentecost? Well, the word Pentecostos means 50th. And the day of Pentecost was a particular day in the Jewish calendar. It was the day when the second of the three great feasts began. And people journeyed from all over to Jerusalem to celebrate that. It was 50 days after the first of those feasts, and that feast was Passover. Now, if you were here with us for our series in the Gospel of Mark, you may remember that Jesus was with his disciples, and the Last Supper took place on Passover. That was Thursday night when Jesus was then crucified on Friday. So, The day of Pentecost is 50 days. It's seven weeks and a day after Jesus had that last supper with his disciples. And it says they were all together in one place. Who's the they and where were they? Well, if you uh, flip the page back to chapter one and verse 15, you will find that it says there in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers And that means men and women together. The company of persons wasn't all about 120. So these men and women who were disciples of Jesus, they were in Jerusalem. They were together in a house and they were there for a particular reason. Back up just a little bit to chapter one and verse four. It says, while staying with them, Jesus ordered this group of disciples not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father. What's that? Wait for the promise of the Father. Well, here's what it is. Jesus says, You heard from, which you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So they're waiting for the promise of the Father. And then he says in verse 8, when the, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria. And all the end of the earth. And so they're together and they're waiting. They're waiting for the promise of the Father. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit. And then look at verse 2. And suddenly the wait is over. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them. And rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance let's slow down try to get this scene in your mind there's a sound a sound like a mighty rushing wind have you ever You know what that sound sounds like when you're outside and there's a thunderstorm and that wind comes up, or maybe you've been uh, at the edge of a hurricane or even a tornado or something like that, that, that mighty rushing wind. Well, I want you to imagine being in this room right here and it's quiet outside, but that rushing wind sound is going on in here. That would get your attention. That's what you hear. And then the next thing that you see is... The, the, the tongues as of fire, these, these images, this, this picture of, of flame, and the flame is descending onto each person. There's 120 people there, and 120 people have the, the, this, this picture of this, this fire resting upon each one of them. And if you are a Jewish person, you immediately begin to connect that with stories that you know. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses encountered a bush that was on fire but not being consumed, and God was there and spoke to him. In Exodus 19, when God uh, appears to and and speaks to Moses on Mount Sinai, it, it says there that Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. And so for a Jewish person, they understand that when there's this manifestation of sort of supernatural fire, it's a way of God revealing that he's there and present. And so God is saying, I'm here with you. There's this sound of the wind. There's this pictures, of this, 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 this vision of these flames. And then it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Pause. That has never been said before of God's people. Never. This is a new thing. In the Old Testament, there are times when people receive the Holy Spirit for a brief period of time to do a particular work. Judges, prophets, kings. But now they are all filled with the Holy Spirit and they're going to continue to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit permanently. This is a new thing. And as the Spirit comes upon them, they are empowered to do the impossible. They begin to speak in languages that they don't know, and they unite in praising God as they do that. Now, Jesus isn't mentioned in this passage, is he? But Jesus is behind everything that's happening here. In fact, this is, in a sense, sort of the completion of the work that Jesus was doing on the cross, we saw, if you were here at the end of our series in the Gospel of Mark, we saw that Jesus was raised from the dead. He was alive. But the story sort of left with a question mark. What's going to happen next? And I, and I encourage you, well, you're, you're the sequel to that. And, and in a real sense, we are. Here is Luke's first century sequel Luke, the writer of of the book of Acts, here's his first century sequel to what's happening. Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. And when he died on that cross, we heard that the curtain in the temple was torn in two. And that symbolized something profound. And that is that the barrier between God and humanity had been, been bridged so that... God and people could dwell together people could freely through Jesus now come into God's presence. Okay, how's that going to play out? What's that access going to look like? Well, we'll find out and Kenneth will preach uh, for us from, from, from the rest of or the a big chunk of the next part of, of Acts chapter 2. And in verse 33, Peter will say that Jesus has ascended to the Father. He's at the right hand. And now he's, he's received the Holy Spirit and he's pouring out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. And so Jesus began this work of reconciliation between God and humanity. And now it's being fulfilled as God The third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is coming not to just be near the people, but to fill the lives of Jesus' disciples. Something new is happening here. This is an inauguration of Jesus' disciples being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Now we might just pause before we... Continue with the rest of the text and say, well, how, how about us? We're Jesus' disciples. If you've come to follow him, repented and believed in him, are you filled with the Spirit? I was reading over our statement of faith this week, the section on the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful section. I want to encourage you to maybe access that. You can get it on our website and just, just pray over what's there. But here's: we believe that all genuine believers are Indwelt by the Holy Spirit at conversion. That's a permanent experience and change. Every genuine believer receives the Holy Spirit permanently. And yet, we also believe that the Holy Spirit desires to fill and refill every believer continually. That's why in Luke 11, Jesus invites us to ask for the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 5, Paul encourages the church to be filled with the Spirit. And so we might just pause and say, oh, Lord, would you fill us freshly this morning? Lord, would you empower us freshly this morning? Lord, would that wind blow through our hearts and minds one more time today in a new way? So Jesus' disciples are all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then, the second section we'll look at, verses 5 to 11. Jesus' disciples are empowered to declare God's praises. Look back at verse 5. It says, There were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, men, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were, listen to the language, they were bewildered. Because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? So, so let's try to picture this. Jesus' disciples, 120 of them, they're in a house. It must be a big house, right? Are they up on the roof? or then a balcony, I'm not sure exactly what this looks like, but they're in a house and the spirit comes and these flames of fire are there and then they begin proclaiming God's praises in all these different languages. And somehow, maybe they're up on the roof, maybe they come outside, maybe they're out on a porch and people can hear, but somehow people out on the street start hearing this. And can you kind of picture the scene where somebody hears what's going on and they're like, wow, what's, hey, did you, hey, come on over here. And and, and and word starts getting out and a crowd, you know how that works. And a crowd starts gathering. And have you ever seen this happen where like you're over here, you don't even know what's going on, but you see the crowd and you're like, I got to find out what's going on. And all of a sudden there are hundreds, maybe even thousands of people that have gathered to see and hear what's going on. And And what's happening is these guys from Galilee, they're not particularly well-educated. They're, they're not known. This is, Galilee wasn't sort of the, the MIT center of, of, the, of the Ivy League center of, of, of Israel. So, so all of a sudden, these, these blue-collar workers are, are, are proclaiming the praises of God in languages that they couldn't possibly know. They're speaking perfect Mesopotamian. And, and Cappadocian and Latin or whatever the languages were that were being spoken in those places and the word spreads and the crowd grows and this crowd isn't just like, oh, cool. Hey, check it out. They're, they're stunned. They're bewildered. It says they're amazed. If you followed through the series in the Gospel of Mark, you may remember that word amazed was used repeatedly about people's reactions to Jesus and his ministry. And now it's the reaction to the Spirit of Jesus being revealed in these people. Can you imagine being able to go to Spanish class and never studying and getting A's and being able to speak perfectly? And then when you're done in the morning, you go to Japanese class in the afternoon and you can do the same thing. And then you don't study, but you go to Russian class in the evening and you ace it and you're perfect. Like that's what these people were doing. You can't do this. They did something impossible. And, and all these hearers are hearing these languages that are their, their native tongue. There was this common language language if you traveled around, if you did commerce, you spoke Greek. But everybody had their own language that they'd grown up with at home. So here's the map. I want you to get a, a picture of, of, of what's going on here. Right in the middle of that is Jerusalem. But over over in the east, over on the right, that's where Parthia and, and Mede and, uh, uh, and Mesopotamia are. And, and then kind of just uh, just in the middle, a little bit above that, that region, that's a modern Turkey. That's where Cappadocia and Phrygia and, and some of these other places are. Down at the bottom, that's North Africa, Libya and Cyrene. And way over on the west and the, the, the left side, that's Rome. This is a massive region and there were Jewish people living in all those places and they would come to Jerusalem for these feasts because Jerusalem is the city of God. The city it's, it's Mount Zion. It's, it's God's city. And, and all these people are there as Jewish people for this festival or having relocated to live there. And they're hearing God's praises, not in Greek or Aramaic. They're hearing them in their native language, their indigenous, their, their mother tongue. Can you catch what this tells us about God? The nations are on God's heart. He's beginning to reach out to the nations in a new way. This is a miracle of speaking, not hearing. They are hearing people speaking in their languages. And what are they saying? What are these people proclaiming? Not just the local gossip. Not just recommendations for where to get the best kebabs in Jerusalem. They are hearing the mighty works of of God. Look at verse 11. Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them telling in our own languages the mighty works of God. What do you suppose that is? Well, I suppose that's the mighty work that Jesus Christ did. Jesus anointed by the Holy Spirit, going about doing good and healing those who are oppressed of the devil. Jesus delivering people, teaching of the kingdom of God. Jesus being rejected by Jews and Romans alike dying on a cross but not staying dead and rising again and now pouring out his spirit on his church. I I expect that's what they were proclaiming and these people are hearing these things in their own languages. They're empowered by the spirit because something new has happened. Long ago, God spoke to the prophet Ezekiel and he said this, I will put my spirit within you i will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules and now the spirit is within them and this spirit of filled assembly begins this new era by praising god their ability to speak in languages that they don't know won't continue this is like a one day deal There are different kinds of tongues that are going to show up later in the New Testament. But this gathering as an assembly, that will continue. And this gathering as a worshiping assembly, that will continue because the Holy Spirit has come to empower Jesus' disciples to unite as a worshiping assembly. On this day... God is beginning to gather a multiracial, multinational, multilingual people who are disciples of Jesus, united to exalt and praise the living God. And that reaches all the way to 5200 Ox Road, right here today. We are Jesus' disciples. We are a spirit-empowered, spirit-filled community of Worshipers. This is one of the reasons why Sunday morning is so precious to us because it's the unique one time per week that we can assemble and gather as a worshiping community empowered by the spirit to keep following Jesus. God has come to dwell among his people and incredibly to dwell in his people. Well, the passage ends with two two things happening here. People are amazed and perplexed and say, what does this mean? And others say, they're just drunk. We know what this means. And isn't that often the way it is when the kingdom of God is proclaimed? People are leaning in saying, tell me more. And others are saying, I don't need any of that. Kenneth will open... more of what it means next week as we look at this wonderful sermon that the Apostle Peter will preach. But I want to just, just tease out a little bit the implications of this new thing that's happening. What's happening here on the day of Pentecost? What does this mean? It means a new movement is being launched. The book of Acts opens with a small group of Jewish believers in a house in Jerusalem. Do you know where it ends? It ends with the gospel having been proclaimed throughout the Roman Empire and with the leader of the movement, Paul, the apostle, having made his way to the imperial city of Rome where he's declaring the praises of Christ. How did this extraordinary expansion occur in just a few decades? Here's how. You know how? By the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how. That's how. The Holy Spirit makes the impossible possible. In Leviticus 26, 12, God says, I will walk among you and I will be your God and you will be my people. And then John the Baptist comes along and says, Jesus is going to baptize you not with water, but with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, wait for the promise of the Father and you'll receive power. And it happens on the day of Pentecost. I was thinking this week, you know, what Christmas is for the Son of God? In a sense, Pentecost is for the Spirit of God because Christmas is the advent of the Son of God come to earth. And Pentecost is the advent of the Spirit of God filling the people of God. The Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence, creating a new community united in worship and witness And edification. There's always been a community of the people of God, but this is a new community because it's filled with the Spirit. And the book of Acts shows us the dramatic before and after for Jesus' disciples. Again, if you were here for the series in the Gospel of Mark, remember seven weeks earlier, Peter was so timid and afraid that he couldn't couldn't acknowledge even knowing Jesus to a servant girl. And now we're about to see him proclaim Jesus to thousands and see thousands converted under that preaching in one day. Before and after. What's the difference? The difference is the Holy Spirit. The same disciples that were so full of pride and fear and envy are now notable for their humility and courage and servanthood. You know, when I was converted and received the Holy Spirit, there was no wind or fire. There was no... I couldn't speak in languages I didn't know, but I found myself different. I had a new desire. There was something birthed inside of me where for the first time I wanted to live God's way instead of my own. My life began to turn from self-gratification to self-denial. Sure, I still fail lots. I'm not perfected yet, but I believe the power of the Holy Spirit is doing the impossible within me. He's gradually changing me to be more like Christ in my words, in my desire, in my character. And he's doing that, brothers and sisters, in you too. And so we might just pause and ponder, where do we need that empowering work of the Spirit in our lives today? Maybe you're caring for an aging parent. Maybe you're trying to be faithful at a job that you really don't like. Maybe you're trying to love that neighbor who keeps parking in your parking place or keeping the music too loud. Maybe you're trying to hang in there in a community group where you really don't feel like you fit. Maybe you're trying to figure out how to make these Sunday gatherings a priority when there's so many other competing priorities in your life. Pentecost means the Spirit has come. And the impossible is now possible. We have become, Jesus' disciples have become a spirit-filled community of worshipers. So let me close where I began. Why church? Is the church a dinosaur that's just ready to be let go extinct and forgotten? Let me try to answer that by turning to a book review I read in yesterday's paper. The book has a funny title. It says, Sure, I'll Join Your Cult, a memoir of mental illness and the quest to belong anywhere. It's written by a comedian named Maria Bamford. And what caught my attention was that last phrase, the quest to belong anywhere. The blurb for the book says this, Maria is a comedian's comedian, an outsider among outsiders, and has, hear this, has forever fought for a place To belong. She's tried just about every method possible to not only be part of the world, but to want to be part of it. Now, I haven't heard of her before reading about this book that she just written. But I can connect with her. Because I want to belong, too. I know what that feels like. I have that same desire to belong somewhere. To love and to be loved. Do you? You know that desire to be accepted and welcomed and loved well and love well in return? We long for community. Human beings long for community. I believe this longing is a part of the image of God in every human being. We are created for community. And the ultimate community that we are created for is the community that God creates called the church. It's the only community that transcends every barrier and that transcends even this age to the age to come. God calls this community into existence. Christ dies on a cross to achieve the establishing of this community to make it possible. And now the Holy Spirit empowers this community to unite us up in worship, in, in fellowship and in edification, out in mission and witness. So church, I want to just ask. What if we just took some time the next week to pray for fresh empowering for our church, fresh envisioning for what it means to be the church, fresh filling for the Holy Spirit. I want to ask you this morning, would you be willing one time in the coming week to pray for our church to be freshly empowered by the Holy Spirit? Pray a community group. Pray sometime on your commute. Pray with the people that you live with, your roommate, your children, your spouse. Pray with a friend. Jesus encourages us in Luke 11 to ask for the Holy Spirit. Could we just take this week and together as a church, pray for fresh empowering and fresh envisioning? Would you you join me in that? I've asked Jordan Lawrence, a longtime member of our church, to come, and he's going to just take a couple minutes here and pray for us as we enter into this season as a church. Thank you, Jordan.
2: Thank you. Let's bow and pray. Father, you, your word says in the book of Acts that the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that our church community would experience that joy of the Holy Spirit, of fellowshipping with you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We pray that you would pour out the Holy Spirit. Lord, you said that we who are evil know how to give good gifts to our children. So how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? Let our church display the fruits of the Spirit in the way we relate to one another. Love, joy, peace patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would give us boldness as you gave to Peter and the others on the day of Pentecost so that we can step out in faith, not have the fear of man, have wisdom to know exactly what to say <clears throat> so that we see people who we thought would never come to Christ, come to Christ. That situations that seemed impossible to solve, they would be resolved and there would be reconciliation. Lord, come in power and bring people from every tongue, tribe, people, and nation to our church. Activate the gifts of the Holy Spirit in us. Give us prophetic words, words of knowledge, words of wisdom that will set people free and transform them so that they marvel and rejoice over the hand of God moving in their lives. <clears throat> we pray that people would get healed, that the power of the Holy Spirit would heal people of diseases and injuries. We also pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to come and to destroy the works of satan and free people from bondage holy spirit show yourself strong and deliver people from the domain of darkness and transfer them to the kingdom of your blood son father i pray that the holy spirit bring unity in our church show us and empower us to be community of those who love Christ, who love one another, who serve one another, who forgive one another, who pray for one another, and let others who are not of the church marvel at what they see and they want to join us. And Father, I wanna pray in particular for people who have left our church, people who have been bitter and have rejected Christ, Father, you are the spirit of peacemaking, and we pray that you would show us how to pursue these lost sheep and bring them back and bring unity to us. Holy Spirit, for each one of us here, for those of us who are lonely or fearful or in despair or who do not know which way to go, Holy Spirit, help us to... With each other, to open our eyes to the truth that you said you are always with us, that you are the strong arm who is mighty to save, that Christ is our hope, and that you can overcome all situations, and that you are the good shepherd who leads us in the paths of righteousness to still waters and green pastures. Father, and above all, empower us, Holy Spirit, to glorify Christ, our great Savior as you did on the day of Pentecost, and all that we do. Let this church boldly and with power proclaim the living Christ who takes away the sin of the world. Let us all say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan.
0: And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for that. And keep doing it, Lord. We're going to shift now to having the Lord's Supper. This is an opportunity for reflection and self-examination. I just want to encourage you to just reflect and consider what you've been hearing through this message. It's God's Word, God's Spirit have been working in you. This is an opportunity to lift up your heart before God and respond to whatever He might be showing you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a committed disciple, you are welcome to participate in this. You don't have to be a member of our church to do that. If you're not sure about Jesus, if you're not a follower of Christ, we are so glad that you're here. And I really want to encourage you to take this time, instead of coming to receive the bread and the cup, I want to encourage you to take this time to pray and think about where you really belong and what where your life is is going and who this Jesus is and what church is really all about. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to come up. There are tables throughout the auditorium. There are four up in front here. There are two behind you and two upstairs as well. As you receive the bread and the cup, know that the, the, the crackers are gluten-free. And I want to encourage you, this is a time for reflection. So you can reflect before you come up or you can come receive the elements and reflect after you come up. And then you're going to take them on your own whenever you're ready. And I want to encourage you to, uh, if you can move from right to left with the tables, that'll help keep everything moving. So, let's pray. God, we thank you for the day of Pentecost. We thank you for the work of Christ. We thank you for the church that you've called into existence to be a people in which you dwell, among whom you dwell. And I pray that this time of communion would be a time of communion with you. Amen.